Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Flute View Radio. This is Viviana Guzman for theflutview.com. Hello, everybody. This is Viviana Guzman on October 25th, Tuesday, 2016. I'm here in San Francisco, California, and today our podcast guest is Catherine Bryan. I will bring her on in just a moment, but first I'd like to welcome my co-host. This is Barbara Cecil. Welcome, Barbara. Hello, Viviana. How is everything in sunny California? It's actually not sunny today. There's a we're in the middle of a storm, but we need the rain, so it's good. The fire oh, oh. have ceased to be, so it's very good news. Excellent news! Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it's good to know. Thank you. How how are you in in New York? New York is fine. It's a little cold right now for this time of year, but uh, you know what are you going to do? And uh, things are things are good. We're working really hard here on good. Good. everything, and um, very excited to have this conversation today. How are you? What's new with you? Oh, I'm just in between. You know, I'm conducting a flute choir, and uh, I'm teaching at the FSU, Florida State University, and Northern Florida University masterclass recital lecture type things at both that's coming up uh in a week or two so just you know wonderful wonderful yeah. i just got back i just got back from florida myself oh and that's right also you were in, in florida north and I was, central were you in florida Ocala? too no, I, was I was in, in hawaii you. when you were in florida <laughs> ah <laughs> well <laughs> I go back to Florida in uh, three weeks, two weeks. I don't know, something like that. It's, it's kind of a Florida season right now. Yeah, yeah, it tends to be. Well, it looks like Fluter is not with us at the moment, so I'm going to okay. go ahead and bring on Catherine. Um, <clears throat> and then when I see Fluter, I will bring her in. But Catherine right. Bryan, I'm very excited to speak with her. Uh, she made her concerto debut at the age of 15 with the, as a soloist with the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields in London and later made her U.S. concerto debut in Lincoln Center with the Juilliard Orchestra. And I believe Fluter was at school with her. Since then, she has performed as a soloist with the BBC Philharmonic, the Helsinki Philharmonic, the Royal Scottish National the Nuremberger Symphoniker, the New York Philharmonic, and the English Baroque Orchestras. At, at the age of just 21, Catherine Bryan was appointed principal flute with the Royal Scottish National Orchestra, a position that she still holds today in addition to appearing as concerto soloist with leading orchestras worldwide. Catherine is currently a lecturer in flute at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, and at the music school in Manchester. She has also played guest principal with the London Philharmonic, the Royal Northern Symphonia, and the London Symphony Orchestras. Wow, that's impressive. Wow. let's Let's bring on Catherine Bryan. I'm so excited to speak with you. Welcome, Catherine. And she's 
all the way from London. No, wait, from UK. Where are you? Hello, welcome. Yeah. Hi, Viviana. How are you? Hi. Bye. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> Hello. Yes, I'm actually in Glasgow, near Glasgow in Scotland. So, yeah, okay. we. I'm about okay. eight eight hours ahead, I think, of the West Coast <laughs> state. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're beginning our day, and you're finishing it up, I'm sure. And I'm in yeah, the middle. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're in the middle there. <laughs> yeah, no, right. It's definitely it's very, very dark here. There's not an ounce of light left here in mm. Scotland at the moment. So. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sad that I, I, I know that Fluter's in Paris right now and she was going to be phoning oh. in. Um, but I, I didn't you guys go to school together? Is that my understanding? We did. Yes, we did. Um, and we also did um, a summer festival together in Japan, the Pacific Music Festival. So we also oh, did right. that. So, yeah. So um, she, oh, we had great memories of our time mm. together. It was really, really fun. So you oh, did that with uh, Jasmine Choi as well. Were, were you there with Jasmine Choi? Yes, the yes, Japan. the Pacific Music Festival. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the three of us, I think it was the three of us plus one other person in the section. So, yeah, quite <laughs> quite a fun section that was. That was a power section already. At, at, in, yeah. 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 Terrific. Yeah. That's terrific. <laughs> so, Barbara, go ahead with a question for for Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Well, Hello. you know, um, <laughs> We haven't met in person, but um, I've heard some of your beautiful playing. And, um, you know, you've, you've had a very um, exciting career doing a lot of different things. What, um, of, of all the things that you, you've been doing, what is the one that's, that's most closest to your heart at the moment? I think at the moment it's the solo playing that I'm doing, mainly the concerto playing. Um, I'm very, very keen to promote the flute as a solo instrument, you know, that, uh, an instrument that can stand up there with the violin and, and the piano and the cello um, and be recognized as a, as a really good solo instrument. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I like performing, um, you know, as the great sort of violin soloists do and really sort of communicate with an audience in a way that they will sort of really buy into the instrument, buy into the repertoire. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, me as, as, a, as a performer, but I think the instrument um, is sometimes thought of as a kind of lesser um, solo instrument. Yeah. So that's really, really important to me to, to promote it. <laughs> I think that's great. It, that's it's great. important. It's really important. Yeah. Way. Yeah. I think, I think it's just, you know, it's sort of seen, obviously my job as an orchestral player as well is, hugely important to me and I love that and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be without that I think that doing doing both they really enhance each other I think I'm a better orchestral player because I do a lot of solo playing and I'm a better solo player because I play orchestrally you know I think they they definitely um work together in in a really a really good way and also you know mm. in my job as a, an orchestral principal I sit and watch a lot of soloists, you know, week on week, and you know, some of them really inspire me, and some of them, I think, eh, I think I could do better. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, good days and bad days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think um, 
so I, I guess at the moment that is my sort of my passion really and and in a way I, I feel more comfortable standing at the front of the stage than I do sitting in the principal flute chair it's no one can really understand that but I sort of I think when it, when I'm out the front I'm sort of you know it's 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 my um Feels performance right. and I'm yeah, yeah and, and when I'm in Feels the orchestra right. I love that but obviously I'm part of a team and you know I don't want to let people down you know I'm just kind of one cog in the the wheel really so um and I love that about the job, but equally, um, you know, it's quite pressured <laughs> being part mm-hmm. of that team. So, yeah, well, I definitely sh- share that as well. I I, um, I love playing as a soloist as well. Uh, Catherine, tell us about some upcoming concerts that we should know about as a soloist. Yeah, well. I've got um, quite a few recitals in the UK coming up. Um, also, I'm actually um, in about three weeks' time. I'm premiering a new transcription that I've done of the, the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto. Oh um, wow! Yeah, <laughs> which has been a bit of a labour of love, to be honest, because mm-hmm. it's um, it's really really difficult. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I mm. I've done quite a lot of transcribing of violin music recently, and the Mendelssohn Concerto was one that always sort of stood out to me as as one I felt really suited the instrument and I'm very keen to when I transcribe violin music pick pieces that I think the flute can bring something to that will really work there are certain pieces I don't think work as well on the flute but right, Mendelssohn is, is one that I think is um really lends itself to the flute just the right the range and the character of the music um so that I'm playing um here in Glasgow in a few weeks time and I think it is going to be recorded mm. for the BBC, so there may be a way of people hearing it out there in the US, hopefully. So, yeah, oh, that's, nice. That's... I know that uh, Barbara. Don't you feel that? Uh, at least when I was at Juilliard, I felt that we weren't "quote unquote" allowed to do these kind of transcriptions that now the young people are doing so much of. Uh, it, it was, that was my feeling. Barbara, did you feel that way? Too? I I don't know. No, I remember. I do remember um, collecting a whole bunch of violin music at one point uh, to, that, that people were playing. And, and, and I guess, you know, always thinking about expanding the repertoire. And I wanted to ask you, after you were talking mm. about mainstreaming flute as a solo instrument, you know, about repertoire. So you've been mm. transcribing a lot of string music. Anything else? New composers, things that yeah. really move yeah. you? Well, I'm having a concerto written for me at the moment, actually. Hopefully, as we speak, I hope the composer's writing. <laughs> um, I'm premiering <laughs> it um, in February. Um, the world premiere February here in, in Scotland. We're doing a performance in Edinburgh and also in Glasgow. Um, the composer is a Scottish composer. His name is Martin Suckling, a really wonderful composer. He's written for the London Symphony Orchestra and the Scottish Chamber Orchestra, lots of um, really fantastic mm. UK orchestras. Um, and he and I have been friends since we were teenagers. And he always said to me, if he became a composer, I promise the first thing I'll do is write you a flute concerto. Oh, and wow. It w- wasn't quite the first thing he did, but he's got around <laughs> to it eventually. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm really, that's really exciting. I mean, commissioning is, is something that I'm really keen on. But I think especially when it's a composer that 
knows you very very well and you know he's mm-hmm. a close friend I'm really excited to see what he's going to come up with because hopefully it will be really personal to me and then I hope that we can kind of um play it in lots of different places we have a potential performance out in Toronto in 2018 so um I'm hoping to be um playing it out there then so that hopefully is the first in a run of some maybe North American performances of it mm. Awesome. Will you awesome. be coming to to North America anytime soon? Do you know? Um, well, we are. My orchestra is coming actually. Um, the Royal Scottish National Orchestra is touring Florida next year, <laughs> so we're really excited. <laughs> about <that>. Florida's <laughs> the theme, you see. I tell you, right when. When the news broke to a Scottish orchestra that we were touring to Florida in March, it was like people <laughs> ran to buy bikinis. It was like a rush on bikinis. And like we were very <laughs> excited about seeing some sun. <laughs> Get away oh. from the rain and the clouds. <laughs> yeah, March is nice. It's warm. Yeah. Mm. Adrian Arch so that's, is going to be at the Adrian Arch Center, I guess. In, uh, yeah, Miami. we're, do, we're yeah, going. Yeah. We're going all over. But I think it's the first time that my orchestra's toured America actually for well since I've I've been in the orchestra for 14 years and we haven't been to the mm. states as an orchestra since in that time. So, wow. um, so it's really exciting. I mean, me personally, mm-hmm. I try I try and get back to New York yearly roughly every year or so um and I like going back to Juilliard and work with Carol a little bit and sort of hear some of her students play that's always really nice for me to kind of um revisit and hopefully pass on some some advice to them if I can so um Mm -hmm. I mean I, I, I love New York and I'll always kind of I think because because you know when you go to college somewhere you're there at such sort of formative years of your life that it never really leaves you. It's sort of like um, mm. part of your kind of development. So I always feel that New York is home for me in, in some way. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Um, I have another question, Viviana, unless you have one. That oh, go ahead. Like to. Okay. Um, so I just wanted to hear a little bit about the difference kind of musical scene in Scotland and mm. uh, Great Britain as opposed to, you know, what things are like here in the U.S. I think our listeners might be interested in that if you have some yeah. thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm lucky because I've, I've worked with some orchestras in the U.S. as well, so I can, I've can kind of seen it um, from both sides, although obviously I'm much, mm-hmm. much more familiar with the U.K. scene. Um but I think, I mean, we we don't have a huge amount of rehearsal time here in the UK for concerts. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. quite often it will be just like one day or not. sometimes not even that of rehearsal time. Oh, wow. And we kind of straight into concerts. That's yeah, amazing. it's quite intense. And we'll have wow. sometimes two or three programs a week, which we t- tour. So I think mm-hmm. more so than um, the kind of big uh, US orchestras, they tend to play in the same hall for more than one concert. Sure. Um, yes, here, in the US, yes. Absolutely. We unfortunately don't get that luxury. So what what is nice is that we get to travel around, but that is also, you know, quite tiring. So we'll be playing in Glasgow one night, then Edinburgh the next night, then maybe Aberdeen, which is right up in the north of Scotland the next mm-hmm. day. Mm. Um so it's it's kind of quite a bit of travelling and, and adjusting to different halls all the time. Mm-hmm. Um so that I think is a big difference because I know when I've worked in American orchestras, you get that the kind of going back to the same hall for three nights in a row is quite, in a way, quite nice because you um, 
you're used to that acoustic and you know exactly the yeah. setup, whereas we're kind of adjusting quite a bit. Um, I think also what what I've always noticed in the US is that the, you're so lucky with um, audience size and, and sort of, mm. I think um, we, you know, the UK, it depends what we're playing, but we sometimes struggle to get a full house, you know, whereas I know in the US, the orchestras I've worked with, they, te- they can get full houses night on night, you know, which I'm always really envious some, of. Some, there's a lot of yeah. trouble now in the U.S. Yeah, well, absolutely, especially yeah. for orchestras on the, in the East Coast. But um, And the other thing that I always love in the U.S. that we, is not a big thing here is the standing O. <laughs> we don't really get... <laughs> oh, yeah. People in the U.K. don't like standing much. Don't you have do to that. really do, do something it. amazing. They're just a little more reserved <laughs> yeah. about how... Oh, I know, I know. Thing, right? sort of, we have to be seriously <laughs> impressed to stand you know <laughs> I, that's oh, good man. actually i i think in the u.s we give too many standing o's it's like everything no like no really no stuck. never enough i live never, never enough. enough no i love them <laughs> absolutely if i ever play in the u.s i, I want everyone to stand regardless of yes, how yes, i play yes yes okay yes. well I if i'm in the audience i promise to stand Oh. I will. So will I. So will I. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. We have got a new um, the chief executive of of our our orchestra, the Royal Scottish National Orchestra. He um previously worked with the Orpheus Chamber Orchestra in New York. Mm-hmm. So he is very much of the kind of U.S. mindset. And um, the first concert I remember he attended. You know, the end of the concert, straight up standing alone. <laughs> you know, like the lone oh. person standing. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's trying to start a trend now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's I I I don't know. I think it's I love it and I think it's important when I hear someone that I believe in that I love, I will stand up and but it's also I'm South American and actually the best uh-huh, uh-huh. audiences world hands down are in Brazil. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, oh, I, I actually totally you. agree with that. Yeah, I recently did a tour to Brazil with an orchestra and um, yeah. absolutely agree with you. The, the the atmosphere is just incredible. Like, I felt like I was a rock yes. star. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, exactly. Um, That's interesting. Exactly. I have this Brazilian student who keeps asking me to come. I think I should yeah. take her up on it. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and, the, the, and the shoe shopping in Brazil is really fantastic as well. So. Oh, okay, okay, write that down, yeah. Oh, a lot of great flute music too, but <laughs> I mean, well, the, the, you know, sort of the the chodos and things. But yeah. but Catherine, I'm looking at this the silver bow. I love the uh-huh. title of it. It's I I don't own a copy, but I look forward to getting one. I um, tell me about the process of how that came about. Yeah, well. I again, I sort of always thought about um, how to promote the flute more as a solo instrument. So this idea yeah. of the transcription and sort of presenting music to an audience that they would know, but didn't know mm-hmm. necessarily in the guise of being a flute piece. Um, mm-hmm. right. So I, I wanted to explore, um, you know, pieces that I felt really would work on the flute. And the main piece, the kind of inspiration for the disc for me, was The Lark Ascending by Vaughan Williams. Oh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just one of the most beautiful pieces of music. And obviously I'm English and I, you know, you can't get much more English than Vaughan Williams. And, mm-hmm. um, 
I've grown up with that piece. It's my father's favorite, actually. So I, it's always been a piece that I've loved. And I've heard so many violinists play it over the years. And I kept thinking, mm-hmm. I, I think he maybe made a mistake with the violin because I'm sure it's a flute piece. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it is. So no, I think I agree really, with you. I agree Absolutely. With you. And I mean, I know I'm sort of, you know, we're all biased because we're flute players. But when I've oh, played no. it in concerts as well, people have come up to me afterwards and said, do you know, I actually prefer it on the flute. And some violinists <laughs> have said that too. So, um, so that's been really nice. And so basically that was a starting point for me then exploring some other smaller pieces to go with that. Um, mm-hmm. that I felt um, I could bring something to. And obviously some of them, like the Paganini Caprice and the Zagoinovais mm. and Introduction and Rondo, they're much more virtuosic. So I've explored some things like bringing a pizzicato technique to those pieces. So I'm kind of creating mm-hmm. sort of a violin world, but within obviously the, the flute um, the, the flute technique. So it's, it, was, it was really fun. And it's, it's lovely performing them because it always creates, you know, a sort of talking point and people are really interested in how they can sort of enjoy the piece in a different form. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, there's yeah, such I beautiful see, pieces. Mm. Well, you have uh, the Sarasate and Saint-Saëns um, also yeah. showcases. And, uh, and then Meditation for Thais and Christ. Yeah. Yeah, Liebeslied, yeah. It, it's, it's really basically a collection of all the violin pieces that I love <laughs> as well. Um, right, all the, and all, I, all the great en- encore pieces too. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. And, yes. and the, I and have it's sort all of, that I, music. Oh, <laughs> I tried well, to play it all like, I don't know, 30 years ago, but, the, but I, I'm really impressed uh, at your thinking uh, behind what you're doing and how you're putting it yeah. out there. It's yeah, really my, uh, outstanding. My first encounter with you, Catherine, it was uh, the classic FM post that you did of the Paganini Caprice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. (laughs) Yeah, and that that went viral, didn't it? Like the whole world. Yeah, I mean, it was so, and it's always the things that go viral that you kind of do in like three minutes. And I kind of, I just got off a plane and I turned up at the studio and sort of, just kind of stood in an office and played. It was fun, though. And, I mean, I think, again, it's just getting people talking and, you know, everybody knows the, that 24th Caprice, you know, even people that don't really know music, they know the tune for the Paganini 24th Caprice. So um, right. it's just, you know, it's, it's just kind of a, a, a new way, I think, of, of seeing the flute as well and um, just opening up people's ears to what the flute can do because it's so it's underrated i, I really feel that it's mm-hmm. underrated mm-hmm. and um I you know there, completely it's, agree yes yeah completely <laughs> it can do so much i mean obviously in terms of the virtuosity that's you know a lot of people can play the flute amazingly virtuosically but i think for me that the sort of the lyrical side of the instrument and the, the expressive qualities that um, I, I, that's what I love exploring. And, and my sing. next project, actually, mm. I mean, yes, well, that, it's funny you should say that because my next project recording project is actually going to be based around opera. So I'm looking mm. at lots and lots of different, um, not just kind of fantasy pieces, but actually taking the arias and sort of seeing how the flute can play an aria or sing an of aria, course, I guess. Of course. Um, and I'm excited about that because um, the flute and the voice are so linked and I think it'll be a really 
interesting kind of way of exploring that. Yes, definitely. Beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. Beautiful. Look forward to that. And we'll see mm-hmm. review yeah. it at, on the flute view. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a, a, a quick question. What um, We always ask everybody to us, what uh-huh. advice would you give a young player now, starting out? Well, I think I would, well, first of all, I would probably talk to them about singing a lot and breathing, because I think until you really kind of learn how to breathe and and think about singing through your instrument, um, that's what gives me the joy of playing, you know, really using those things. Um, I mean, I started playing by blowing over the top of a bottle, you know, like a milk bottle <laughs> or a kind of any bottle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you, if you can't, if you don't have a flute nearby, but you want to kind of get into that way of playing, I think a bottle is a nice free way of doing that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just, I mean, I always say to, to my students at whatever level they're at, really, um, you know, go and listen to singers and go and listen to recordings of great violinists. And then, you know, when you play at whatever level, you, you, you just want to produce that, that music and singing style and not to be too limited by the instrument that you play, but just to kind of always be communicating a musical phrase through the instrument. That's so, so important. And I guess using your breath and the way you breathe in an expressive way as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Back back to the other theme. Uh, So why, what is your, in your opinion, why do you think that the flute is underrated to the general public? I think, I think maybe because I suppose, and I feel bad saying this, but it is quite a limited instrument in a lot of ways. I mean, in terms of range, Mm -hmm. I guess it's quite limited. And, you know, dynamic range, it's quite limited compared to virtually every other instrument. I mean, I sit in front of clarinets, you know, all the time. They are not limited in terms of dynamic range. (laughs) That is for sure. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. The E E flat clarinet, oh, my God. Um, Uh, um, uh But, you know, I think because of those limitations, um, sometimes perhaps... In the past, I think, maybe not so much these days, but people kind of almost accepted those limitations. And I think, um, you know, okay, so we can't play maybe as loud as certain instruments, but we have such a vast range of colors and sounds that we can employ to create sound worlds that other instruments just don't have the access to in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, what what I enjoy is really exploring that, exploring vibrato, like how we can use vibrato in in super creative ways to give, you know, a whole palette of different colors. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one area. I guess also, I mean, repertoire-wise, we are, there is some absolutely wonderful music out there. But again, we're not, we're not sort of, um, bathing in music by what mm-hmm. people would think of as famous composers. You know, we don't have any right. Brahms and we don't really have any Beethoven. And So I guess, you know, we're sort of not able to go and play concertos by composers that are really recognized, other than Mozart, of course. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, much, I mean, I think the Nielsen concerto is one of the most incredible pieces ever written, but, um, you know, it's hard to sell a hall out <laughs> playing the music. Yes, yeah. Sadly, yeah. you know, it's just the reality, unfortunately. Um, 
And I suppose that's why I sort of went doing in the UK more of these transcriptions to sort of get people to buy into the instrument and also buy into me, I guess, so that then when I am playing the Nielsen, people will come and yeah. then learn how yeah. fantastic that piece is as well, you know, so. No, that's good. Yeah. That's, I like your thinking. Yeah. Well, Catherine, we only have two minutes, and mm-hmm. I just had one final question for you. This is just cool. for fun. I just want you to name yeah. five five fun, quirky, secret hobbies or passions that you might have, and don't think too much about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, the first thing that I, I don't have to think about, it just comes out, is shoes. I'm like, I have... <laughs> Um, I have over 100 pairs of shoes, probably more like 120, and they have a huge room that they live in. There's like shelves and shelves of them. My husband calls it the shoe shop because it's like more pairs in there than most shops. (laughs) So certainly shoes. Um, I have some strange foods, like foods, strange foods that I really like. Um, Uh Anchovies is one. I I put anchovies on everything, like pizza, (laughs) toast. Just, I would just eat them straight out of the tin. I love them. Um, uh-huh. So what else? Um, I'm, I love yoga. I do try and do yoga sort of most mornings if I can. It really, mm-hmm. I find, for, especially for breathing, I mean, that's, I've, I've really mm-hmm. found it interesting relating to my flute playing to, to breathing with yoga. You know, it's, that's, I think, a nice link. It's a good thing for flute players to do um, yoga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what else? I have a seconds. crazy dog. It's a crazy dog <laughs> called Ralph Aww. the Beagle. And he is, um, he will sit silently and listen to me practice. He loves it. Um, uh-huh. And I'm married to a wonderful chef. He's actually a cellist, but his cooking is, he was on a show called uh-huh. MasterChef here in the UK. I think Whoa. you maybe have it in the US too. Very talented chef. So I'm very lucky. <laughs> oh, you are. Nice. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Catherine Bryan. Oh. Our, our guest. Check out CatherineBryan.com. Oh.